happy Tuesday to you and yours. Very happy to be here and joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs for the next hour, breaking down last night's very exciting, thrilling Monday night football game. We we needed one of those on a nationally televised stage. It's been it's been slim picking. This has been grim, Nate, these last couple of weeks <laughs> on national TV games. So I'm happy. I'm happy that we ended up getting a good one, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I think there's only, what, like three memorable primetime games, and I think the Chiefs have been part of two of them. You know, the season really started with just obviously that Russell Wilson game in Seattle, you know, his first game as a Bronco. And then it's the 99-yard touchdown return from Jalen Watson against the Chargers on primetime, the the last great primetime game on Amazon Prime this season probably. And, yeah, and last night, just, man, just. I thought Sunday Night Football was good this week with the Bengals and the Ravens. I mean, cool. (laughs) It was cool. It was cool. It was all right. right. I mean, I thought Lamar was going to do more. Uh, (sighs) He won the game at the end. He did. Well, Justin Tucker. I mean, just put a gold jacket on. Both of them together. Both both of them together. Just put a gold jacket on this man right now. Lamar's got to get you in position where Uh Justin Tucker can go ahead and bring it home. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to say last year against the Lions, Lamar didn't do a whole bunch. <laughs> Justin Tucker just went ahead and won the game for them. So, Nate, I was at home yep. watching the game by myself. You were at the game watching it with 79,000 other individuals. You have been to a lot of Arrowhead games. Have you ever seen the crowd respond to a penalty, a situation, a moment, the way that they responded to the roughing the passer call against Chris Jones? Hell no. <laughs> this is... I mean, it was it was noticeable before he even announced the flag. He being Carl Sheffers, the referee for the game last night, carried it. Um, man, you know, we all have people who influence our lives. And for 77,000 last night, the guy who was influencing really the entire shift in the dynamic, the vibe, the ambiance was Andy Reid just out here just giving it to Carl Sheffers. I mean, it's rare when Andy Reid gets upset anyway, but to do it at home when they're trying to do another comeback attempt with Patrick Mahomes and to see people just irate, man, just – it was like a riot, but it was controlled, if that makes sense. The fact that anytime this man gets on the microphone, we're going to boo him. Anytime this man throws a flag, if it ain't on the Raiders, we are going to we're gonna let him have it. Oh, you, you, you trying to get to your locker room at halftime? No, 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 no. Andy Reid says, let me, let me have another discussion with you so I continue to let my players know and the fans be aware that now we're playing against two opponents. We're playing against you, and we're playing the Raiders. And now we're going to try to beat both you all because, you know, understandably the Chiefs felt like they got host on a call that any observer outside of Carl Sheffers would tell you that that's probably not roughing the passer on Chris Jones, who strip-sacked Derek Carr. But from that moment on, Carrington, I've never – seen Arrowhead have that level of buzz, that level of angst and a real hunger 
to not only see the team come back, but to know that they were going to play a part in the in the comeback, to know that they were going to be the reason the team was going to play well or play better in general, and the Raiders and the refereeing crew could hear it for the rest of the night. I think the game can really be broken down into two parts. I think it is before the penalty and after the penalty. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same way? Yes, sir. You know, um, man, there was a lot that happened in that game that is interesting. But as we move further away from it, you know, or further into the season, you know, when people ask, you know, hey, what's your favorite Raiders, Chiefs, Chiefs, Raiders moments? Like, that's going to be included. The fact that the referee gave a beneficial call to the road team, but in actuality, it served the home team getting an advantage and holding on to it and really getting them back into the game, even though from just a pure function of the penalty, it gave the Raiders a new set of downs. It helped them get a field goal. It helped sort of re-extend their lead. But after the penalty, uh, the Chiefs were the better team, the more dominant team, and the more inspired team um, in getting that victory. And, yeah, for for all the things that the Raiders did well, um, they lost because it wasn't what they did. It was what the Chiefs sort of got out of, you know, a, a bad call that just showed how different the two teams are in terms of talent when when both teams are highly motivated. I saw a stat that Patrick Mahomes is 12 and nine in games in which his team is down by double digits at any point, which you watch this game every day. You follow it. You Mm -hmm. attend. It's mind blowing to think that he's winning games at a 57% clip. The rest of the league is winning those games at a 15% clip that you've been to arrowhead when it's nervous. Oh, for sure. But the fact that we're at this point where when they're down 17 to nothing Mm -hmm. and the Raiders make the decision to kick the field goal. You're thinking, all right, this isn't that bad. (laughs) I've seen them be down worse than this before. And then the chiefs go down and score a touchdown on that next Next possession to make it Mm -hmm. 17 to seven. You're thinking, all right, now we got a ball game here. There's just a different level of peace, a different level of comfort that you can have knowing the chiefs have been in this situation now over 20 times and they win a majority of these situations. He being Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, because that's that's the that's the biggest duo. But you can obviously include Travis Kelsey in a lot of these comebacks as well. I mean, it's it's stunning, Carrington. I feel like half my stories recapping games are essentially comeback attempts. And based on the stat you just referenced, I done seen a lot of comeback victories. Uh, some of them have similar qualities or similar elements to them. There's always a little bit of a new thing. Last night, obviously, was about, you know, the Raiders at home. Because that was that had never occurred before in the Mahomes era, that they were down that much, and yet the team still rallied. Obviously, everybody remembers the, the 2020 um, pandemic game where, where the Raiders were the rare team to beat them um, in that regular season. But, yeah, having the penalty, knowing that Mahomes uh, is just capable of of really calming the team down, refocusing them. And, yeah, 
when he gets in rhythm, it's scary. Like, it goes against all conventional thinking. Hey, we have the lead. They're one-dimensional. The Chiefs are going to have to throw the ball more, which means we have more chances for maybe a sack or an interception or a batted ball that turns into an interception. You know, all we have to do is control the tempo of the game. And yet, you look up in the fourth quarter and you're like, how did we give, like, how? Like, how, are, how is this a close game? And it has a mental effect on the other team because now I feel like I got to do just as much more. I got to feel like I got to do extra. You know, it took almost a Herculean effort from Devontae Adams just to give him position to win the game. And even yet, he can't get the ball in his hands to possess it and yet get two feet down in time to get the Raiders in the field goal range. So all those little mistakes running into one another on the fourth down play, which is mind-boggling, but all that stuff's supposed to happen for the team that's trying to come back, not the team that had the 17-point lead midway through the second quarter. So, yeah, Mahomes is just – he did it. Like, And, by the way, this is, this is a new thing, too. I was a bit concerned, Carrington. I don't know if you felt the same way. One of my biggest questions all season, and it had not occurred until last night, was how do the Chiefs look when they're down 14 points? because they don't have Tyreek Hill. Like, that was sort of the last thing that I, I sort of had on my checklist of, like, okay, Arizona, how does it look? It looks good. Okay. Hey, division rival against the Chargers in a short week. How does it look? Okay. A little rough at times, but Mahomes can still make those amazing throws to get you a win. Hey, how does it look after a loss? You know, is there going to be a an after effect of, like, hey, this team did it well. Will it be – you know, repeated by another team, and all of a sudden, ooh, now we got a bad trend on the offense. Hey, came out, had their best game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, now you're down 14 to a team that is probably better than its record. And, man, it never got to overtime, and they had a chance to make it a nine-point lead midway through the fourth quarter, Um, and they did it without having a 50-yard, 60-yard, 75-yard play from Mahomes. So they were methodical, yet they were quick. And once the offense, I think, figured out what the Raiders were trying to do, which was obviously take away Travis Kelsey, Mahomes can just knife you from wherever using whoever his teammates are, and everybody's in position to make plays. Um, but that was that was a real, I think, significant moment last night, was that, hey, yes, it helps to have <laughs> – extra motivation against your arch rival but to come back in that in that manner without a big play that we've seen before um yeah Patrick Mahomes the arguably the greatest comeback quarterback in NFL history that seems weird to say but I mean I still think it's Brady but you could certainly make a Mahomes argument with that stat you really could and it used to be like Joe Montana it used to be a little bit of John Elway in the two-minute drill Obviously, Brady has the most Super Bowl rings, and a lot of those journeys to the Super Bowl include a comeback. But Mahomes is, I believe, still the only quarterback in NFL history to have his team rally from 10 or more down in every game leading to the championship in the postseason. So he's done it in a variety of ways, and it just proves that um, the Chiefs, even with this current version, are still going to be in a lot of games, even when they don't start the game well or they need another comeback in in the second half. Coming up, let's take a break here. 
I think there were three or four very controversial coaching decisions in this. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of go through them and get your thoughts. And did you like this decision? Did you not like it? Do you agree? Do you not agree? You're listening to the, to the Nate Taylor show here live on 610 sports radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor show Monday nights at seven on your official broadcast partner at the Kansas city chiefs, 610 sports radio. Nate Taylor show. Nate Taylor here. Carrington here. Taking you up until the top of the hour where we hand things off to our guy, Dusty Likens. All right, let's go through a couple of the coaching decisions and get your thought on it. I think this is the play of the game, and people haven't really discussed it to me. Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about. The Raiders make the decision to go for fourth and one early in the game. Mm-hmm. They get a touchdown. Yes. They are then faced with the fourth and one 10 minutes later in real time. Up 14 to nothing. Getting getting, getting all the yards rushing the ball, by the way. They're on the chief side of the field. Mm-hmm. It's a fourth and one or kick a 56-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movie Zombieland or not, but you remember the double tap. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure that the Chiefs are dead. Dead, dog. You got to make sure that they're fully down. You can't let the Chiefs off the hook and kick a field goal in that scenario to go up. Well, we got to go up three Three scores. Three scores. No, you got to keep being aggressive and optimize possessions. I know everybody is talking about the two-point conversions, and I want to get your thoughts on it. That's the biggest play of the game to me that people are just – if you were going to show that aggressiveness early in the game. Which they did. And you were going to show the aggressiveness at the end of the game. Which they did. Show it in the middle of the game. And go for it on fourth down. Carrington, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't help you with this. I mean, like, <sighs> yeah, like I don't, I don't have a good answer, uh, because what did the field goal ultimately do? Yes, it get it got you up three scores by one point. You know, two two touchdowns, two point conversion. You're still down one, but. It really did let them off the hook. And the Chiefs at that point had really shown no life, right? I mean, they got an initial stop, touchdown, touchdown. And Josh Jacobs was good last night, Carrington. Um, That was a bit of the surprise coming off the Buccaneers game. And for a coach like... I mean, this this is the second go around, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, officially, not <laughs> the Indianapolis years where he's like, you know what? I'm a I'm a I'm a not I'm gonna have to go back to Bill Belichick. <sighs> Josh McDaniels, this is not your first time. You also coached a guy in Tom Brady, who, to your point, got to make sure he's down, got to keep him down. Is Patrick Mahomes not not qualified for this? Now, I don't know if they got overconfident and just said, if we go up 17, we'll just continue to add points here and there. That part is that I'm 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 trying to find part of the answer, Carrington. You can't think like that when you're going up. You might can think like that if you're going up against Tua and the Dolphins. You might can think like that if you're going up against Daniel Jones and the Giants right now. <sighs> you can maybe think like that if you're going up against Jalen Hurts, and I got respect for Jalen Hurts. You can't think like that when you're going up against Mahomes, Mm-mm. who is a trained assassin. Mm-mm. You know what that man is capable of. Yeah. This, this, this is how I justified it. I would never do what I think the Chiefs want me to do. If it's fourth and two and I know the Chiefs want me to punt, you know what? I'm doing the opposite. Right. I would never play into what I think Andy Reid is thinking Oh, good. 
I don't want you to think good. I want you to be upset at my decision. I would never play into what the Chiefs want. It's it's uh Yeah, man, it's bad. It's it's really bad. Because again, Josh Jacobs played really, really well. Um, I'm gonna give you the stats here in just one minute, Carrington, because I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you the I'm just gonna give you the uh first down stats. You wanna you wanna guess how many yards this man had in the first half? Josh Jacobs? Yes. 52 yards. All right, here we go. He had 79 yards. Oh, wow. On 14 carries. That boy was cooking. I mean, the Raiders had kind of stumbled into it where they added the six offensive linemen, and they were getting some double-team blocks on the interior. You also have the quarterback sneak at your disposal, too. So... Yeah, I can't I can't justify it, Carrington. They they were asking to be caught and they got caught before like the fourth quarter up 17. Let's go to the decision for the Chiefs to go for two up 7. I'm part of the Madden generation. I've been doing this for 17 years. I give myself a chance to go up 9. That's critical. That's mm-hmm. big. It's a big difference being up 9 and being up 8 in the National Football League. Worst case scenario is you're up seven. You're up a touchdown. Fine. You'll live with that. Right. And best case scenario is you're up nine. Those are two drastically different situations and scenarios to be up. Sure, being up eight is good. Right. But the the one point in that scenario is massive. Yeah. It's worth four minutes potentially in real time because Mm – There's just not enough time for you to to get enough possessions back over the course of the game. You're going to need to either force a turnover or get an onside kick in that situation, which your percentage of getting an onside kick is incredibly low. It's like 18%. Incredibly low. I always go for two in this situation. I don't know if Kansas City does it. If they have Harrison Bucker healthy, I think they kick the extra Mm. point there to go up eight. But this is something I'd like for them to implement. Going up two or going for two up seven. Right. Um because part of that is, you know, you missed the extra point earlier. So, you know, the math starts to get tricky once one of the two teams misses an extra point. Um, I would like for them to have a better play, Carrington, because it looked like Patrick tried to disguise the defense to look one way, and then something was supposed to be open on the backside, and it wasn't. And then it's just a lot of guys scrambling around in very, very condensed space. So I like the aggressiveness. I would like a better play um, if you're going to go and do that. So um, it's not the, it's not the method. It's the execution or the thought process, but yeah, the chiefs right now have the best offense in football, Carrington. And I know that sounds a bit, you know, exaggerated, but the game's about scoring points, right? Carrington. It is who, who has scored the most points this season. Kansas City Chiefs. So, if you want them to go for two, and they're scoring at a high rate, and you think they're going to get back into the red zone or back into the, you know, positive side of the field to get some more points, I don't see why it's a bad idea, or I don't see why you wouldn't do that, even with Harrison Bucker's situation, because I think we need to be cautious. Whenever this man does return, I don't think he's going to be like 100% healthy. So, his range may be affected because of that as he sort of gets back to, you know, playing shape and hopefully 
that ankle doesn't swell up as Andy Reid has described. It's got to be better than what they currently have at kicker. I know that the kid broke the record. I know the kid (laughs) broke the record yesterday, but you guys are telling me that if it was a 43-yard field goal and he had to go out there and kick that, you feel confident he's making it? As I think based uh, on the flow of the game, he's missing that bad boy. He, 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 now... This is this is where we're, this is where you know human beings are capable of doing great and poor things. That's all, true. All in the same day. All in the same day. That's true. He made a fifty-nine yarder, putting everything into it, and then he missed a thirty-seven yarder. Now, and, and then missed another kick and got bailed out. Yes, the by thir- a holding call. Yeah, the thirty-seven yarder is the bailout. I think he missed a forty-one yarder mm-hmm. in the first half. But yeah, <laughs> Matthew Wright woke up today on the right side and was like, "Whoo, ain't nobody talking about me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> like, ain't no. I mean, Harrison could take a whole nother week, you know? Because like, coach, we won, and like, I made a fifty-nine yarder. Uh, it was it was a little bit wind aided because I think the wind was to his back. He made it though. I ain't gonna. But he made it. But he made it. I ain't gonna hate on when he, I ain't gonna hate on you. I ain't gonna put no qualifiers on you when you make it. Hey, coach, when you look at the stats, I only missed one. <laughs> Last night. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, this is two games of production, coach. Um, but yeah, even with the kitchen the kicking situation, the Chiefs right now have the best offense in the league. And I know some people are saying, Well, Nate, what about that Josh Allen guy? And we're gonna get to the Bills here in a minute, and I'll explain the differences because they're they're minor, but there are differences beyond the stats. But yeah, when you have the best offense in the league and Mahomes is playing the way he's playing, yeah. Uh Continue to go for it, but let's let's get a little bit better on the execution when we're trying to get a two-point conversion. All right, let's step aside. Let's take a break here. Coming up, I do want to get more in-depth to your thoughts on not only the top story relation to this game. I think it's the top story today in the National Football League. I think we are at a very interesting crisis right now with roughing the passer and how mm. fans are reacting mm. to these situations that happen over the course of the game. I want to get your thoughts on it next. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. All right, Nate, let's talk about this weekend in the National Football League. We had the situation in Tampa between the Falcons and the Buccaneers. And then we had last night between the Chiefs and the Raiders. I'll just hand the ball to you and then you take it where you (laughs) want to go. I think it's broken. I could talk for the next 30 minutes about this, but I had my time. It's your time. What's your thoughts on the current state of roughing the passer in the league? We don't even know what the word roughing means anymore when it comes to the officiating and the subjectivity involved. Carrington, is what Chris Jones did, would you describe that as rough? I think it's a tackle. Yeah. I think that's the objective of the game. Correct. Yeah. I mean, a sack is when you tackle the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't know. He didn't swing his arms. He didn't go head hunting. He didn't launch himself using his helmet as a spear, as we have been told uh, countless times. I just think there's clearly an emphasis 
the NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry. Carrington, what is their most marketable asset to continue to make billions of dollars? Quarterbacks. Yeah. And what happens when we have to watch, I don't know, Skylar Thompson in a game? That's a fair point, but this is the analogy I made earlier today. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many brothers and sisters you have, but let's say you got four kids in the house, right? Yeah. Serious problems are going to come up if you treat one kid very differently than you treat the other three. Oh, yes. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we have created a system in which if that tackle happens to anybody player on the field, (laughs) it is not a penalty. Right. But there's one player you can't hit this way. Uh So that's what creates the rules. No, 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 no. You can hit him this way, Carrington. It's just the problem is these refs, whether subconsciously or consciously know, people will not be interested if the starting quarterback is not on the field. And, yes, I know there are some people that are suggesting that the concussion protocol and the fact that Tua Tungavaloyo from the Miami Dolphins was able to return to the field and then play four days later when it clearly looked like he had concussion-like symptoms, well, now we're asking you to not be so rough. But, you know, I write for a living, Carrington. Words matter. Words have definitions and meaning. Roughing is unnecessary or excessive. Chris Jones didn't do anything unnecessary or or excessive or excessive. Like it's in the dictionary. Uh, Grady Jarrett. They had him. They had Tom Brady on the ropes, and he didn't do anything excessive because he took his hips and moved them from one side to the other so that he could. So that he could be on the turf, so that he could get a sack. Um, I think referees who are the play who are the officials behind the quarterback, so they always have the vantage point from the quarterback's position, essentially. You've gotta watch the play, and I know these guys are going extremely fast, but you gotta watch the play and wonder, is that excessive? Like, is it so egregious that I have to I have to throw my flag? Or is this just a football play where the quarterback was taken down because he holds the most important thing on the field, which is the actual ball? So if it's not excessive, if it's not unnecessary, then – Take a few breaths and be like, that's okay. It's also not the official's job to wonder if a player can get up from a hit. And that's the spotter's job. That's the independent neurologist's job to decide if that player can return or not. But I think, I also think referees get to the point too where they're like, that looks bad, even though it's just a tackle at a rate of speed that, you know. It's just grown man sacking another grown man. These guys are really strong, really fast. And just because you can protect the quarterback doesn't mean you have to. 
the quarterback actually has protection. It's called his helmet and pads. And the sport is inherently violent. So unless it's unnecessary or unless it's so excessive, I, I just I think the officials have actually forgotten what the word roughing means as it relates to how do I judge subjectively in an unbiased manner if this applies to the rule or not. Do you think it should be reviewed? No, I actually don't because I I just I understand Chris Jones's viewpoint. So last night after the game, everybody gets into the Chiefs locker room from a media perspective and goes, "Where's Chris?" And to his credit, Chris was uh at his locker ready to talk, knew exactly kind of where he was thinking, um and I thought voiced it you know, pretty well. Really quickly, can I play for people if they haven't heard? Sure. Chad, I just want to play yeah. it so people can hear it, and I want to get your thoughts on the other sure. side. I'll play what Chris Jones had to say. From the ref point of view, he probably looked like that initially, but you know, and when you look at the replay, it's a whole different thing. So, I think now the, to evolve roughing the passer and protecting the quarterback is essentially what we're doing in this league. We got to be able to look at roughing the passers in the booth. You, 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 you take a look at uh, Grady Jarrett situation. I was going to ask you about that. Did you see that one from yesterday? Of course. It's all over Twitter. And, 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 and what type of situation that was in the game. That was the third down stop also. And then when you take that in the initiative, if we're able to view it in the booth and the referees can get a second look because it's happening so fast, maybe we can change that because now it's getting absurd. You know what I'm saying? Now it's causing teams games. You know, that was a fourth down stop on Grady Jarrett. They, the team would have got the ball back, and, and you know, who, who knows what would have happened. But for them not to be able to, to look at that, you know, when you sit on videos, you know, you can, you know, and faster, when it's faster than you on the field and happen that fast, you know, the ref, they might see something different. But when they're able to, like, look at the video and see that it's not roughing the passers, a lot of these roughing the passers would be called back. You know, initially, like today, you know, roughing the passer, I actually stripped the ball and gravity kind of took me to the ground. And that's a roughing the passer call in a critical situation in the game. It's third down. We're down 10 points. You know what I mean? And that's a momentum shift in the game that, that, that could have affected us. You, you know what I mean? There's no need for an explanation, okay? <laughs> so what I'm going to go to him and say, how should I tackle? How should I not roll on him? I'm trying my best. I'm 300 and 40, 25 pounds, okay? What you want me to do? What you want me to do? I'm, I'm running full speed trying to get the quarterback. I hit the ball, what you want me to do? I brace my, my hands. So I think it's now, it's like taking the initiative to uh, extend to look at roughing the passers now as a league, you know, like they did pass interference uh, a couple years back, where we can view the pass interference. That didn't go well. I think that's now the, the next <laughs> level we're gonna have to take as a league for all these roughing the passers. So I wanted to play that for people who didn't get a chance to hear it. Finish, right. what, finish what you were saying. Finish your thought about if you think it should be reviewed. And you're right. They tried to review pass interference. and boo-boo. It I was thought, so bad. I actually thought the refs were defiant. And even in situations, they were like, hey, we don't want you guys questioning us even more than you do. So we're not going to change it, even if it's obvious. Right. And that rule was implemented because of the NFC Championship game um, in 2018 where – uh, clearly, the, the, the Saints were interfered with on what they thought was going to be their game when he drive by the Rams. The flag was not called. Um, the Rams won in overtime. For this situation, I completely understand Chris' point. But Chris, they would watch that video 
and they would pretty much say what Carl Sheffer said in a pool report to Adam Teicher of ESPN after the game. And Sheffer said, quote, the quarterback is protected from being tackled with full body weight. Now, there's a bigger issue there, which is, well, how do you decide what's full body weight? Like, but that would be his explanation. Even if they went to review, it would be like, hey, you landed on him with your full weight. Well, how do we evaluate and assess that is a bigger issue, but that would be what they would primarily say on a lot of these reviews. Hey, you whipped him from his hips to the turf too fast. Well, what is too fast? I I'm, I didn't say that. You, you just did it too fast, you know? And so I just, hey, I didn't really hit him in the head. My helmet actually hit him in the chest. Well, it looks like you hit him in the head. Well, what do you mean it looks like it? Based on video and my eyeballs, in real time, it looks like you hit him in the head. It looks like you targeted him with the, with, with the spear of your helmet. So I don't think review will overwhelmingly change these decisions. It's just got to be like, you know, if I was in a league-wide call to all the officiating, including the referees who, you know, manage the crew, the word I would – the word I would sort of stand on is it has to be egregious. Like, it has to be so unnecessary to the overall play. Now, some people will say, hey, you know, Travis Kelsey wasn't protected on the body slam of Derwin James. Well, if that's a quarterback, based on the rules, that might be rough in the past. There ain't no might to it. They're 100% <laughs> call rough in the past on that. You think right now you picking Jimmy Garoppolo up like that? Hell no. Nah. I put you under the jail, but that's that's easy to that's easy to call egregious. Hey, you you wrapped him, put him to the ground. You wrapped him, elevated this man, and then put him on the ground. It's a little different, but it's got to be egregious. It's got to be excessive, and it can't be a bang bang play, which is essentially what last night was. It was hey, Derek Carr is getting ready to go through his throwing motion, and there's Chris Jones knocking the ball out of his hands. So. For me, and and Carl Sheffers also said too that the fact that the ball came out was and was subsequent ah, the fact that the ball came out and was sub, uh, subsequently recovered by the defense is not relevant. And I'm like, well, you need to change that out the rule immediately because Chris Jones can't strip the ball, recover it in one motion, and there be a penalty on him. So. I would change that, but that's not going to be changed until March when they go through the rules committee as part of the league's annual owners meetings that involve coaches um, as to how they're going to change the rules every year. But, you know, it's got to be egregious. And if the ball comes out and there's a fight for the ball, well, then I have to understand that, yeah, sure, the, the player might use his full body weight to try to get the ball if it's between him and the quarterback that he just strip-sacked, um, those would be my two suggestions. All right, coming up on the other side, I believe the biggest game on paper in the National Football League this season, in my opinion, the two best teams, the two most likely teams to win the Super Bowl, I don't care that they're both in the AFC. <laughs> Let's talk about them, and they play a game this Sunday at Arrowhead. That's coming up. Keep it locked in right here. It's The Drive. Or not The Drive. It is the Nate Taylor Show.
You're listening kind of to the, the Nate Taylor <laughs> Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Nate Taylor here. It's the Nate Taylor Show. On Sunday, they play Buffalo. What's, yeah, your biggest, yeah. what's your biggest key to the game? Let's just start there. What's your biggest key to the game? You got to get turnovers. I know it seems simple, but the reason I think the Chiefs' offense is better right now than Buffalo, even though Buffalo is more explosive, is, hey, man, Josh Allen still got a little bit of that turnover juice in him. Still got a little bit of that. I want to get greedy. I want to. I want to take it down the field. I want to throw a 50-50 ball when I don't necessarily have to. Can the Chiefs secondary get a turnover? And that's been, you know, a, a, a simmering question that's you know intensifying in my opinion because outside of the Jalen Watson interception, Carrington, can you think of a turnover highlight worthy? Whoa, look at what the secondary did. Doesn't mean the secondary isn't playing well, because by and large they are. But can you think of another play? I can't think of one off the top of my head. You're going to need one of them against uh, against Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs. Who are they going to put on Stephon Diggs? Because it better not be Rashad Fitton. Just to let you know kind of what we have planned tomorrow, we have this thing we call the Eric Warfield Award <laughs> that we give to their worst corner. And <laughs> tomorrow you do Eric like that. I mean, you remember the Eric Warfield days. <laughs> you remember. You remember. It was it was it was uh I mean, if you want to call it the Bill Barty Award, I'm happy to change it, but you know the spirit of the award and tomorrow we were actually planning to officially give that to Rashad. Rashad He's the worst corner on their team. Who just happens to be the most experienced. Mm, not not great. I mean, he's the worst corner. It's not even not great. It's not even close, honestly. It's not, <laughs> it's not close. It better not be Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not close. I just can't. Now it's the problem close. is they're gonna stretch you out to where it's like, all right, all right, let's just don't get beat deep, Rashad. There, you know that. Like that's really Steve Spagnuolo's entire scheme is like, hey, can you just not get beat deep? Because everything else can function if you just. Don't get beat deep. But you're going to be in a lot of one-on-one situations. That's just the nature of the scheme. Um, Now, I just want to remind people, last year, they had Mike Hughes out there. Last year, you know, Traverius Ward didn't have his greatest game. Some people have wondered if Trent McDuffie will be back. I think he has a chance to be back for this game because this is his first opportunity to come off the short-term injured reserve list with that hamstring injury. But um, but I think the Chiefs believes he can, as long as he gets through practice, that he'll be a part of the game plan and he might be on like a snap count. But he should be there. Um, but yeah, Gabriel, D, Gabriel Davis sort of feasted last year. What's, what's the plan? I'm sorry to cut you off. What's the plan for Harrison Bucker? Is he going to play in this game or we got another game of Matt Wright? Because I, I just don't know if... I just don't know if you can be Buffalo with without your best. And, and just I, I don't know if you can be Buffalo and have a minus in special teams. You can maybe you can beat the Raiders doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Or the, I don't, you almost beat the Colts yeah, with the I, most negative. Yeah. I don't know if you're beating Buffalo if you don't think you can kick 47 yard field goals. Yeah. Um 
Carrington, I, I just think I'm okay if Harrison I, – I, I, have, I have done my own thoughts of, like, if Harrison Bucker comes back after the bye week, totally fine. Like, as much as Sunday's game matters, you aggravating that injury because you're not all the way back, not worth it. And we've already seen the the results of it. And I think for the Chiefs, the question is, you don't want to extend the injury longer than it has to be. But, yeah, they're um, – I don't think Harrison Buck is going to play on Sunday. I'd be I'd be surprised based on the way it's gone over the last week that he that he didn't practice, and so this high ankle sprain um, it's it's going to take some time, but we'll see. You know, uh, but from the secondary standpoint, I know Legarius Sneed is their best corner this year. I know he has produced turnovers in the backfield. That might be harder to do against Josh Allen because. Josh Allen is a tank compared to Legereus Sneed. And unlike, you know, Matt Ryan and, and Tom Brady, like, he can move. He can he can make some things happen. So they're going to have to be strategic with their blitzes. But the secondary, whether it's, hey, if Legereus Sneed comes off with another, you know, strip sack, all credit to him. But the secondary is going to have to be excellent because I'm not sure if the pass rush can do it all on its own. Like, as dominant as Chris Jones has been, they're just going to have, like, he's just going to have chances to throw the football. I think you're also just going to need another one of them. Like, you're going to need Frank Clark. You're going to need Dunlap. You're going to need Karloftis. Yeah. Let's say Chris Jones plays how he's been playing, and he's right. been phenomenal. Right. You're going to need somebody else consistently getting pressure because they're just – Buffalo is, I would say, one of the few teams in the league that just has too many guys to cover. I mean, Jamison Crowder is their fourth or fifth option. Isaiah McKenzie is their third option. Isaiah mm-hmm. McKenzie would be a number one on 10 teams in the league. He's their third option at yeah. wide receiver. And Stefan Diggs continues to just eat man coverage. You know, so, but hey, that's what the Chiefs mostly play. Um, yeah. The difference is Mahomes' two interceptions this year have been one in garbage time when I don't know what he was doing, but he he just he, you know said sort of let it go, sort of gave you know Juju a chance on a 50-50 ball that it was intercepted against Tampa, and then the his first interception was a phenomenal play from Stephon Gilmore, who made the diving tip that was ultimately intercepted to end the Indianapolis game. Um, Josh Allen has more interceptions this year; he is capable of giving the ball away. So if there is a moment or two in the secondary. You gotta capitalize on those. Um, the other matchup that should worry Chiefs fans from now all the way up till kickoff is hey, there's there are gonna be third down snaps where it's Orlando Brown versus Von Miller. Those are not gonna go well for the Chiefs. Mahomes is gonna have to be excellent. And he was in the second half with his footwork, like moving in the pocket, being elusive, not scrambling just to do it, but scrambling with a purpose and obviously keeping his eyes downfield. Yeah, man, you have to be on your absolute A game in the pocket. How much money do you think Brown's cost himself so far this season? (sighs) He certainly has not played up to the level in which you're thinking, we got to give him the deal that he's asking for. So right now he's making $16.6 million on the franchise tag. And his wishes were essentially, I want to be in that 20 million per year category there are only 
four players right now doing that. Roddy Stanley, who didn't play last week. He Laramie, banged up all season. Laramie Tunsil, David Bakhtiari, and Trick Williams. He is not as good as any of those guys right now. Can he make what Colton Miller is making, which is $18 million? I would think Orlando Brown is better than Colton Miller when at their best. I just don't think he's signing a four for $72 million deal. I don't think so either. But as of right now, he looking like Tyrion Armstead, who's making $15 million a year. So he may slightly go down, but have multiple years if the production is what it is this season throughout the course of the year. Nate Taylor, man. I'll see you again on Friday when you join the drive yeah. at four o'clock. We will. We will have some. We will have a better picture. We we certainly will of this Bills matchup. But yeah, can't wait, man. Can't wait. It's it might be a fire show. It absolutely will. Let's hand things off to our guy Dusty Likens. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show Monday nights at seven on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, six ten Sports Radio.